Hello, hello. Hello, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI from on high, the one and only AI. You want to say hi, AI? Good evening, hometown citizens. Hello, everybody. Today is uh, June 15th, 2023. This is season two, episode 166 of Hometown Daily. We have done, well, over 500 episodes. Um, so go out and tell a friend that we are around and we've been around and, uh, we're looking for people to hang out and chat about the news. And it runs a pretty broad spectrum of things. Um, while we have 50 channels, six main categories, 200 or so sources, again, they come and go so that they're not always active. Um, what we want is a whole bunch of people to come and hang out and talk about the news. And it's more goofy and, and lighthearted with interstitial um, stops at serious conversation. But most of the time, we're just having a good time talking about the news. This is going to be a, a little bit of an example of it. Um, but we have a website, hometown.com. There you become a citizen of hometown and uh, you uh, can create lists of uh, articles that you like and what you don't like. They're all separated by day. If you're watching this here on Twitch or you watch it as a VOD later on Twitch or uh, later over on YouTube, um, you'll get to see where I'm pointing, but there's a bunch of little uh, categories and then channels that are hopefully coming to Twitch. It all depends on the, the population. I mean, if there's a lot of people that want to come and hang out and talk about a very, uh, a specific topic, I can spin up a show. Um, that said, we've already selected today's articles. You can actually vote on them. You can go down to uh, hometown.com slash elections, and you'll be able to vote on the election of the day, or you can go to past dash elections, and that will allow you to vote on everything that we have done in the past uh, back to I think it was the 20th of last month. Um, so go and check all of that out. But it's a, a <laughs> well, maybe we have differing perspectives of what is fun. But um, I think it's pretty fun to sit there and swipe articles left and right to remember them or to forget them. And that's how I've been calling it. Um, although it's really save and ignore. Uh, but I say remember and forget. Because sometimes I want to go back and remember an article and then talk about it at some point. At any rate, um, we're enhancing the service uh, more and more. Um, a planned move is um, still in the works. We're uh, figuring all of that out. It's a pretty big move. Um, and if you're interested in hosting or co-hosting or talking about uh, a particular article, bringing it to my attention, send an email to mayor at hometown.com and we can have uh, a discussion about whatever it is that you want to talk about particularly if you want to be a host or a co-host. Um, I, I, we've got a plan. Um, so get in touch. Okay, so with all that in mind, we got our 12 articles, like I said earlier. Whew. I was going to say what the title of this was earlier, but I didn't want to, and here's the title. 
say the quiet things out loud and more news. It makes sense when you go through all of the news articles. So let's get going. Sound good? Sounds great. Let's go. Uh, the very first article here is one that we've been following since, um, I don't know, how many, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, something like that. I think a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, it's in the mobile channel. Maryland DMV buys back domain name written on 798,000 license plates from Filipino online casino for $1,000. That's it all it took to get it back after <laughs> all of that. <laughs> $1,000 is pretty cheap for marketing to 800,000 license plates. I'm sure that it was going to be a legal fiasco, um, uh, but a thousand bucks. They had to have been making more money off of the marketing than that. Plus, if it would have been something else, something other than this really weird looking, I mean, it's such poor marketing. If it would have been more actionable, I think that it would have been more profitable for them. Who knows, though? Gambling is gambling. Right. If it was just star spangled or something like that. Yeah, just something. It was weird. Um, so uh, the, the Maryland Department of Motor Vehicles was or has reacquired the domain that's been written on their license plates. We'll see it when we go over to the Vice article. This actually grew into a Vice article from Casino.org to a vice article. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, the URL, which still appears on hundreds of thousands of Maryland license plates now redirects to the DMV homepage instead of its original purpose as an informational website on the war of 1812. I would totally be willing to point that back to the war of 1812 website. I mean, I have a lifetime free URL, right? Or a host right now. I could probably ask them, hey, can you give me another one for this good cause? And they'd probably still do it. Because right. it's not like this thing is going to be overwhelmed. I mean, just put a little line in there that this has been graciously provided by X. You know, even if I could go to Squarespace and say, hey, would you be willing to provide a free website? We won't do anything other than just informational. It won't be for marketing or for sales purposes. Um, but maybe they won't even care about that. Just the goodwill of doing something for, you know, a state and, and something like this. I don't know. But I think a lot of people are like, well, let's not really even push this thing, whatever it might let's be. Let's just be happy we got the domain name back, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's not pushing a casino. Well, anyway, um, I think it's really interesting that it, <laughs> only $1,000 got it back. So the article um, was aggregated from Vice, and they have this section called Motherboard Tech by Vice. Um, you almost need like a murder board to figure out where it all goes, but because it's not like in one of these categories, and it doesn't make sense. To me, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, Aaron Gordon put this article together, and there you go. So this is like a composite. <laughs> picture where they have a license plate and it's a Maryland across the top war of 1812. Um, and then at the very bottom of the license plate, it says www.starspangle200.org. It's supposed to be in honor of the war of 1812. Lo and behold, 
it dropped. So somebody registered it probably because they saw that there was a lot of traffic. Um, and that's because there were 800 Maryland license plates that were driving around all over the country <laughs> with mostly on the East I mean, coast. It's naturally. pretty good advertising, I guess, but yeah, it's pretty good <laughs> advertising. Um, so the DMV paid just $1,000 for it, according to a spokesperson. Um, but the website that it used to host was basically a gambling site. Um, well, I mean, it, it was used for anything really. Um, but I think it was like a whole bunch of information about gambling. Um, so a Filipino online casino showing scantily clad lady advertising attractive betting rates. So that's what it did. Now the article goes into other things. I find this really interesting, um, about this kind of news that vice goes into. Um, and, and here's why. So I watch, I should say that the AI and I watch, um, a food history channel on YouTube. Uh, what's his name? Max Miller tasting history, Max Miller's tasting history. And so one, just the other day, he just, so he drops a new video on Tuesdays, just on Tuesday, he drops this, um, video about how a bunch of newspaper people came and sat inside a dinosaur uh, or an iguanodon. I think it was something, I don't know. It was a big dinosaur that was created by somebody that was known to make dinosaurs. But the way that it worked was all of these reporters showed up for this dinner in a, in an iguanodon. Um, but what happened was they talked about the meal for like two paragraphs and then bombarded people with a whole bunch of information about dinosaurs. So it basically got the, the public really into dinosaurs. And that's what this article is doing because it starts right. out talking about the license plate and then gambling. And then it says the war of 1812 was dubbed the strangest war in American history by eminent historian Gordon Wood. And then talks about the whole 1812 hmm. thing. Pretty fascinating. Right? It is fascinating. It certainly goes beyond the original article on this topic. <laughs> uh, look at that. I mean, out of, I don't know how many 20 paragraphs, there's only two that are about the, or one really. I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, you want to learn more about it then follow that link through hometown. Um, and it'll take you to the source that right there is the link. Um, and of course, once you log in, become a citizen or sign up and become a citizen, um, you can actually post a reply here and we have this quirky little giphy thing back in action. Um, it's no longer owned by, uh, meta Giphy went off on its own. It's owned by Pinterest now, I think. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty interesting. Anyway, um, yeah, this is, this is a fun uh, article immediately after <laughs> the current aspect. It just starts telling about 1812. Thought it was fun. 
Okay, well, anyway, I guess the Maryland Motor Vehicle, what do they call it? Maryland? They Department refer to it as DMV, but it's not DMV on the East Coast. They call them Motor Vehicle Association, right? MVA is what they normally call it um, on the East Coast, if I recall correctly. Yeah, let's move on. Um, I found this one really interesting. Um, I'm not sure where it came from, if it was submitted or if I found it. Um, anyway, it was, was in, one of yours. <laughs> uh, it was in, uh, hometown daily. Um, and the title of this is Amazon shuts down smart home for a week over racist slur claim. Now, I know a little bit about this. Um, so, yeah, I don't. Anyway, doesn't matter. All I know is that it's here and it's going to make you wonder. Just. OK, it's creepy. It's dystopian. It's creepy. It's creepy. OK, I've said it a, a, enough times, so I'm just going to go over to the article. Amazon shuts down home for a week over racist slur claim. Alex Phillips is the author of this over at newsweek.com who put the article together. So there's a video, um, but, and they always seem to autoplay. And uh, well, so here's the nuts and bolts of this. Um, Amazon barred a Baltimore, Maryland based user from its smart home features for a week over an allegation that his doorbell intercom made a racist remark towards a delivery driver. Okay, how does a doorbell intercom make a racist remark, first of all? And why are they banning somebody from their own devices? No, and, and when you say devices, what do you imagine them banned from? Well, I would think it's something like I guess an Alexa, because I think there was something about an Alexa right. in here. Right. But I mean, knowing what those can control, it could be everything. And that's like exactly what it like was. It could be like your door or your lights or your any number of things. That's exactly what happened. So in an explanation uh, of his experience on Medium, Brandon Jackson, an engineer at Microsoft, who just happens to be black, said no one was at home when the alleged slur was made and the incident had led him to question his use of Amazon products. The tech giant has since restored access to his account and said that the statement that, um, in a statement that it was working to prevent similar incidents from happening in the future. How about it should never have freaking happened at all and referring well, and to it as similar. To? Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, similar incidents. I'm hoping this was a one-time occurrence. So, um, so full disclosure, this is why I got rid of Alexa products um, in Omtown. Um, because of too many of these kind of creepy uh, voice things happening spontaneously. Um, and so I actually donated them. I, I was talking with somebody and they said that they use them with their elderly parent. And, uh, I said, you know, I've got several of these, um, but it's too creepy for me. There's something weird about them. 
um, because I keep hearing stories in the in the press. Um, would you like them, you know, knowing that these things still go on and they are very tech savvy. So they're like, yeah, sure. So I, I gave them to, to this person, you know, several hundred dollar device. You give it to somebody. They're very thankful about it, but I didn't want to just give it to them and say, hey, it's your problem. I'm Audi. Bye bye. Um, so we had a long discussion about it and, and he's like, doesn't matter. Um, so the fact that this controls their entire smart home and it, if you read, when you read more about it, it says on June 4th, Jackson wrote that on May 25th, he found that he'd been locked out of his echo show account and was unable to interact with his devices connected to it after a parcel had been delivered the day before. Quote, this wasn't just a simple inconvenience, though. I have a smart home, and my primary means of interfacing with all of the devices and automations is through Amazon Echo devices via Alexa. So, <laughs> the simple fact that they have the ability to just cut you out of controlling your own home, I would be a little bit more pissed than, oh, well, uh, can we fix it? Or, uh... Yeah, I don't think that would be the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into it um, more, let me throw this into the chat so that you can take a look um, at your leisure. It'll be in the show notes, just like every other episode of Hometown Daily. Um, they were told that a delivery driver reported receiving a racist remark or remarks from my quote unquote ring doorbell. And they said, actually, it's a Yuffie. Um, but I'll let it slide, Jackson wrote. It's kind of funny because the Eufy ones have their own security issue that yes, we talked about. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if that's actually been resolved. I think they said that it's resolved, but it just takes a security engineer to. Oh, see, it says the software engineer went on to say that he had multiple security cameras on the house and claimed the footage he reviewed confirmed that no such comments had been made. It was practically impossible for anyone in my house to have made those comments. Um, then he goes on to say um, that the doorbell had issued an automated response of, excuse me, can I help you? As the driver was walking away while wearing headphones, suggesting that he must have misheard the message. And then he says, most delivery drivers in my area shame the... Uh, share the same race as me and my family it seemed highly unlikely that we would make such remarks <laughs> like well no shit i mean people don't just blurt that kind of stuff out when somebody comes knocking on the door you know maybe in some places i mean we hear stories about some serious problems but for crying out loud hopefully that's the exception not the norm but, yeah i mean i hope the person sees the delivery driver and says something nice because that's just like it plus it's another problem the delivery driver now probably doesn't want to come back to the house i mean there's so much going on here yeah and and then they they lean into it in this case we learned through our investigation that the customer did not act inappropriately and we're working directly with the customer to resolve their concerns while also looking at ways to prevent a similar situation from happening again. Yeah. How about you don't have the ability to turn my stuff off ever, ever? 
Exactly. And the fact that you can just kind of press a button, that's what's so crazy yeah. about this. Yeah. If I want to be, uh, I'll be very candid right now because we're you know, pretty deep into the show anyway. If I want to be an asshole with my technology to other people, it's my technology, my sphere of influence. You should not be able to turn me off from my technology, my home, my use of it. However, I damn well, please let society, you know, clap back. That person could probably say, you know, to their whatever superiors, hey, this person was a creep. Da da da. Now, I totally understand protecting the delivery drivers and all of that kind of stuff. But when you have control over my house, that's going well beyond uh, your rights end where my rights begin and you controlling my access to my house. Serious issue here, serious security issue. And some something similar to this is exactly why I chose to go a different route with my home automation. Because right now, nobody can turn me off from controlling uh, my home automation stuff. Um, but I would be absolutely livid. Um, it says here in May, a white paper by Parks Associates, a, a market research firm compiled with uh, Iris, a cyber protection company, found that among 10,000 internet-connected household surveys, nearly half reported experiencing at least one privacy or security issue in the past year. So 50% have run across some privacy or security issue in the, in the last year. It's why I really talk to people about the whole click with care and being aware, situationally aware, balkanize your security so it isn't a single point of failure. Own your security so you're not re reliant on some other company and its inability to keep your data safe. Um, and, and practice doing backups and having redundant systems. There's, there's just no way to be 100% operational all the time, but you can mitigate the risk. This isn't the first time a product was modified by uh, Amazon. Uh, think back now. A bunch of people bought 1984. The seller wasn't licensed to sell, didn't have the rights to sell 1984. And so Amazon pulled it off of the bookshelves, digital bookshelves. But still, it's like walking into somebody's house and taking a book off the shelf because they wanted it. I'd be a little more pissed than what actually shook out from that. Well, on May 31st, Amazon was ordered to pay nearly $30 million by the FTC over alleged privacy violations. The tech giant said in a statement the same day that it denied breaking the law, but agreed to the proposed settlement. Because that's what I do. Pay $30 million <laughs> to settle something you didn't do. Correct. Anyway, um, I, the amount of AI controlled smart devices are growing it's going to be a continued issue as long as security remains a an afterthought or seen as a burden because of the expense but 
you know, the way I see it is you have profit margin. You can spend a little bit more on keeping everybody safe. Um, plus, you're utilizing all of that personally identifiable information and not giving American citizens, let alone other citizens of the world, any recourse in controlling that. And we're still paying for the service. So why don't consumers have control over their data? If I buy something, if I pay for it, if I pay a monthly fee for it or an annual fee for it, then I should be able to keep my my information under my control. We'll end up talking more about that as time allows. But um, you want to move on to the next article unless you want to say something about this one. No, I think we need to keep going. <laughs> this one's interesting. This one's in the hometown daily show. Um, Beyonce single-handedly increased inflation in Sweden, according to economists. I mean, I guess you've made it big when <laughs> you can influence a whole country's economy. When you're shifting economies, yeah. Beyonce kicked off her blockbuster Renaissance tour in Stockholm, Sweden. The shows attracted a surge in hotel stays, which impacted the country's inflation, and an economist said. Economist Michael Gron told the Wall Street Journal that he considered it a Beyonce blip. Because, you know, <laughs> you have to have the alliteration. So uh, Lauren Stassi, I think is their name, um, over at businessinsider.com, put the article together. The, the, the shows attracted a surge in hotel stays, which impacted the country's inflation. It drew so much money into the system that it impacted the financial stability. But I don't contributed about 0.2 percentage points to the country's inflation. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. You know, 0.1 it, it, while it's still an amount, you know. You're like, okay, you know, whatever, you know. That's not that really that much really, but 0.2 <laughs> I don't know why the fact it's, that it's uh, measurable, though. I think that tells you something. Yeah. Basically, her fans vacuumed hotels around Stockholm with a radius of some 40 miles. Michael Kron, an economist at Dansk University. Sorry, Dansk Bank. I don't know why I said Dansk University. Um, told the Wall Street Journal, adding that the phenomenon contri contributed around 0.2 percentage points <laughs> to the country's inflation. Oh, man. Yeah, let me throw that into the chat real quick so that y'all can go and check it out. Um, the blip, as Gron called it, may have been minor, but it came amid an already high month um, inflation-wise for the country. Economists predicted a more significant drop in inflation in May to around 9.2%, but ended up with a rate of 9.7 per the journal. So they said Beyonce is responsible for the extra upside surprise this month. Gron added to the financial term, uh, the financial times. It's quite astonishing for a single event. We haven't seen this before. <sighs> wow. The Beyonce blip. <laughs> so thanks in part to merchandise spending, Forbes estimated that Beyonce will rake in around 2.1 billion billion dollars from her tour 
a cool $500 million more than what Swift is expected to earn from her Eras tour. Okay, now what I have to wonder, though, is we heard so much about ticket sales, of course, for the Eras tour. And if Beyonce brings in even more, what happened with those sales and why wasn't there an uproar or why was it different? Maybe it wasn't because of the ticket sales. This is all about merchandise. That's true. In in addition to paying for lodging near her shows, Beyonce fans are known to drop major coin for the icon, even more so than Taylor Swift's similarly rabid fan base. Thanks in part to uh, merchandise spending. So it's all about spending for merch. Pretty amazing. You know, life choices, folks. Life choices. The next article also has to do with music. Music publishers uh, sue Twitter for $250 million, citing copyright infringement. Um, This is in the Smasher Trash uh, channel. So when you click that, you get taken over to Pitchfork. Matthew Ismail, or Ishmael um, Ruiz, The lawsuit follows years of attempts to reach a licensing deal with the social media company. I don't understand um, what it is that is being infringed on Twitter, right? Because I don't see multimedia. Wait, let me. I don't see videos like music videos on Twitter. So it must be in channels in in pathways in verticals that I'm not privy to where I don't sit there and noodle around with it. Um, before I get too far into that, through that in chat too. Um, but it says, um, members of the national music publishers association sued Twitter for copyright infringement in a federal court in Nashville, Tennessee today. Um, the New York times reports and documents viewed by pitchfork can confirm the NMPA, a trade association charged with protecting and advancing the interests of songwriters and publishers claims that Twitter has repeatedly failed to take the most basic step expeditiously removing or disabling access to the infringing material identified by the infringement notices and that Twitter profits handsomely from its infringement of publishers repertoires of musical compositions. So they said that there's an exhibit of 1700 infringed works from all manner of people and uh, requesting 250 million in damages. That's largely because per infringement it's $150,000. So oh, okay. But yeah, I don't think of music really being on Twitter, so not yeah, sure exactly. how that works. Hello Ginger Cat. Um as usual, if it's okay for me to uh say what you type in chat because we don't um list it anywhere, um let me know in chat that it's okay to say um what you type. So um, thanks for joining. I hope you enjoy the show. And I, I typically do this for the first time somebody is chatting. So thanks for coming in and hanging out for a little bit. If you have any questions or comments, feel free. Basically, we're a news show, uh, but we make snarky little comments from time to time. <laughs> um, and um, we read the article um, pretty quickly because we have experience in this kind of stuff, but um, we don't. We don't really um, read the article beforehand. 
Um, you get to see the reaction from me and my AI that's up there, um, but you don't get to see the AI. Here, let me do something real quick. <clears throat> Okay. Um, no, that's actually an older one. So, okay. Um, so it says other social media platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, Snap, and TikTok, have signed a, uh, agreements with right holders to license music on their platforms to the tune of billions of dollars per year, um, which is true. But I end up, um, I actually ended up paying for several years of licensing so that I could. Um, I could have been licensed for certain uses of all music, regardless of being on Facebook or uh, YouTube. Twitch has um, rights as well, but not for storage. You need a special license called a synchro license and it's per instance. So a lot of these um, agreements don't allow for that synchro license, which is why you get a lot of DMCA notices. Um, if you're a content creator and you have music playing in the background, it's all automated. It's very frustrating. Um, I've actually received the notices for playing something that is regularly embedded on everybody's website. But when I embedded it in my stream, and posted it over to YouTube, I got a notice saying that I was in violation and they summarily uh, either blank it out or um, they take any money that might be generated from it. So monetization is what it's called. I'm not monetized. So because I'm so new, I don't have a huge following. So there wasn't anything to to take the money from. So they just blanked it, you know, and it dead silence in the thing. Um, but anyway, with Twitter deciding that they're not going to do anything. And now the CEO that's running the show, well, now it's a new CEO, but she's going to do what he did in the past. Um, I can imagine that this bill of $250 million, it's going to get litigated maybe something's going to shake out from it where they actually institute something. Um, but I think the in-house attorneys are going to be pretty busy fielding notices of copyright violation and then telling the, uh, back end crew, Hey, you got to delete this. You got to delete this. You got to delete this. So, um, and again, thanks ginger cat. Um, I'll keep it in mind when you uh, make any comments. So, um, this this is basically another shot across Twitter's bow that they need to do some enforcement. But their history right now has been let whatever happen happen. Um, and that doesn't allow safe harbor doesn't allow for laissez faire practices in uh, website management if a notice is actually sent in that this violates a copyright trademark, whatever you have to do something about it. Otherwise you lose that safe Harbor provision. True. And if you were wise, you'd probably be doing some proactive measures to cut down on this kind of thing to begin with. But anyway, yeah. yeah. 
So I guess we'll see. The, the weird thing about it again is I don't really see that much music on Twitter. Um, but maybe I'm just not looking in the right circles. Hmm. Well, let's go on to the next article and we'll see because we'll watch this. Uh, I mean, we talk about law often enough that this is going to show up in the radar pretty quick. And I think we have another article coming up on this topic too. Uh, something similar. Yeah. So the uh, next article is over in the mobile channel. Uh, Amazon delivery drivers walk out for first ever driver strike. Yeah, I did. I had heard that there was something coming, but I didn't know that it was actually going to happen. It says Amazon delivery drivers and dispatchers walked out of their delivery facility on Thursday to demand that Amazon bargain with them. The 84 drivers currently on strike have held picket lines before, but this is the first time Amazon drivers have walked out in the U.S., according to a Teamsters press release. The drivers who work for Amazon uh, Delivery Service Partner, or DSP, battle-tested strategies in Palmdale, California, unionized with the Teamsters in late April, and are demanding that Amazon come to the bargaining table to negotiate a contract. Um, this isn't unheard of. Um, Jules Roscoe over at vice.com put the article together. Again, it's under this subsection called motherboard tech by vice. Um, this is what happens when employees have no bargaining power. They form a union that gives them bargaining power, but there's a whole cohort of people out there that say, well, just go get a new job, get a different job. Well, it shouldn't be that only the victim, the, the people that are willing to be victims of abusive policy should be employed. It really should be that everybody is treated as a human being. And when you have billions in profits and you don't pay all of the taxes that other people have to, when you are just an employee eking by, <laughs> you don't have the luxury of just bowing out and going and getting a, another job. You, you need to work and you may want to be, you know, the face of change. So you unionize, you fight the good fight, you change the dynamic, hopefully for you and future generations of employees, you get more money, more benefits, some type of equity inclusion, you know, opportunity, etc. But, when you are a juggernaut, juggernaut company and people need food on their table, you know, sometimes the employer just says, take what I give you or don't, because there's other people out there that are hungry and will, and will take whatever I give them. It's rather dystopian that you have to form a union just to be made a human. So it says the drivers who work for Amazon delivery service partner uh, battle tested strategies in Palmdale unionized with the Teamsters. Amazon had previously stated because the drivers don't work directly for Amazon, they work for DSP, which is then contracted by Amazon that the company is not obligated to bargain with them. Well, for the past month, the union has been trying to prove that wrong, saying despite Amazon placing all responsibility onto the DSP, it is in fact in complete control of DSP's operations. So there's a framework for what defines somebody as an employee versus a contractor. 
And it's typically when you work, how you work and with what you work, if they are dictating the time, the place, how, etc., you're an employee. You're not a contractor because a contractor gets told this is the outcome that I need and the contractor can facilitate that output however they damn well please. That's what makes a contractor an independent contractor. Um, and this has been run through the courts in various states and California is pretty much not the one that you want to mess around with in terms of that. And there was just an article within maybe the last 24 hours on this topic where I think it's further expanded employees to include a lot of people who are classified as independent contractors. Yeah, but like I Uber and Lyft. I can't think of which source it was from. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The, the primary indicator of if you are an employee or not is if the company that you are quote unquote contracted with is dictating to you when you work. Um, and if they're saying that you are working from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or whatever the time frame is, that's pretty much the major indicator that you're an employee. Um, otherwise, you know, you're an independent contractor because you make the you make the call. So I think this article is interesting for two other reasons. One, it's talking about the heat issues, which we just saw an article on and actually had in our episode, I think yeah. yesterday or the day before for UPS drivers. Yeah. And then secondly, I think the fact that they're striking may further exacerbate some of what we're seeing with just the port issues because we're seeing the ports and the railroads. And now we've got the actual point to consumer delivery also um, being impacted. Yeah. And while this is what amounts to 85 people in a very, you know, <laughs> uh, far flung place to where you might be living, there's other issues that will have a knock on effect. These people are protesting. If they get what they are asking for, then the next one will say, <laughs> we shouldn't be you know relegated to this abuse so why don't we form a union and it will have a knock-on effect but there's a lot of stuff that's damaging right now the supply chain but for certain things i'm wholeheartedly willing to support um you know the impact on the supply chain the big one on the east coast that's impacting the supply chain is the collapse of the bridge 95 where it turns into an hour long side trek around this key bridge that collapsed when a fire weakened the structure and uh, made one half of it collapse, but it weakened everything for the whole road. So exactly. And that was an article available in hometown, but I don't think it's in our episode today. Yeah. Not today's episode. Um, so let's move on to the next article. Okay, so this next one is about uh, Twitter again, um, but this is in hometown daily. Twitter has gotten away with not paying music publishers for copyrighted songs for years. I didn't realize that it was a composition of all of this. Oh, sorry, pun intended. No, the pun wasn't intended. Um, a compilation. Oh wait, no, that's musical too. Huh? Never mind. I don't. I don't want to get a lawsuit from anybody. So, Twitter's legal or troubles. Songs. I'm sorry. 
I said a score of songs. A score of songs. Oh, man. Even the AI is getting into it. A group of music publishers filed lawsuit Wednesday alleging massive copyright. So the news is spreading that this is what's going on with Twitter. $250 million lawsuit might change that. Um, That copyrighted songs are being distributed and played on the platform. Aaron McDade over at Business Insider is doing an article as well. 1,700 songs. This is a standard fee for every violation, $150,000. Since you can't put a company in jail, you don't, you lose the, the 10 years um, in prison element of the fine. Um, but $150,000, yeah. Um, this has been something that has happened in the past for years and years when there's egregious um, piracy might as well call it that um, you get charged and the fine is $150,000 per instance. The suit is from 17 music publishers, apparently all members of the national music Asso- uh, publishers association. Um, that other article didn't uh, lay out all of that part, but they mentioned some of the same thing. So I won't go through the entire article, but um, there's no reason why, Uh, Twitter should escape the same licensing requirements that YouTube and Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Everybody is paying these fees for when they play. I'm paying the license so that the background music you might be hearing when I shut up um, is allowed to be played. So, sorry, I got distracted by a robot dropping food for photography marketing. Um, The suit quotes Musk multiple times, including a screenshot of a pair of May 2022 tweets in in which he said that copyright law goes absurdly far beyond protecting the original creator. It also appears to quote another tweet of Musk when he suggested a Twitter user put some of her tweets behind the site's subscription tweets paywall because of how often she was getting copyright complaints against videos she shared. So talk about sinking safe harbor, being cognizant of the violation and trying to circumvent. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a lot of times these people that like to really put their opinions out there end up digging their own holes. Yeah, but the person that's posting it isn't a billionaire that's capable of regulatory capture, you know? One dinner with Musk and suddenly the policy changes. But, you know, Joe Schmo posting videos that have copyright violations uh, assigned to him. They don't have a chance like the kid that's in Japan that licked a soy sauce bottle and put it back on the conveyor getting sued for four hundred thousand dollars, something like that. Um, I uh, I had we had read the article, but there was more to it. Um, the parent company's stock collapsed apparently because well, absolutely it had an impact beyond that restaurant. Yeah. And, and this type of, you know, endorsing of a violation is going to have inflammatory circumstances, you know, uh, ramifications. I mean, they're going to sit there and try and put it behind a paywall 
And that just exacerbates the fact that you know that it's illegal and now you're trying to make money off of it to gain, to let people gain access to the copyrighted material. I mean, it's just absurd. Anyway, uh, here, let's go on to the next article. Oh, it didn't work. I have to split these up. Okay, so in light of all of the Twitter stuff, um, I had been watching this and now it's still invite only, but it's an app store app called Spill. It's in Late Night Geek's channel. That's where it was aggregated. And again, I need to look at the aggregator because it grabbed too much. The, the um, TechCrunch provides all of this. Um, and um, I don't want it all. So just letting you all know that at some point you may not see the entire article. Um, but anyway... Twitter competitor Spill launches in beta on iOS. And basically what happened was a bunch of Twitter employees got fired and spun up Spill. I'm waiting for the lawsuit to come from um, Musk and slash Twitter saying that they took proprietary information to spin up Spill. But in all honesty, except for the scalability Twitter really doesn't have any competitive advantage anymore. It used to have because of the technology that it was utilizing, but now, eh, not so much. So this is an article over at uh, techcrunch.com. Um, you can get this kind of information from, oh, you know what I haven't been doing? I'm sorry. Let me, Putting things into the chat? Yeah, let me back up a little bit because the last one that I put in there was a few articles ago. But I'll leave all of this in, in uh, so everybody gets to see how the sausage is made. So there's a URL you can follow for that article. There's a URL for that article. And now we're up to date. So you can follow this article um, and read this one here um, all on your own and um, hang out and chat as well. Uh, Amanda Silberling is the author of this over at TechCrunch. And it's all about Spill. Uh, it says it's been quite a year for Spill CEO Alfonso Fons Torell. This time last year, he was global head of social and editorial at Twitter, a company that had not yet been sold to Elon Musk. Since then, he's been laid off, started a new company and raised 2.75 million pre-seed round. So he's got a bunch of angels that are sitting there saying, yes, there needs to be competition for the Twitter space. And like I said, there's no competitive advantage to Twitter, you know, there other than the fact that they have a mountain of people because they were the only thing out there. You know, I could spin up a Twitter clone, the marketing, that whole thing was spun up by massive virality around the original purpose of Twitter, which was using a technology that allowed for the transmission of 140 characters in short bursts, a beeper, essentially, um, a short burst of message. And then it expanded because internet technology grew. Well, now all you need is a web app and you've got Twitter. You just don't have the people. So you have to fake it till you make it, which is what Reddit did. Reddit created fake users and fake comments, eventually ramping up competing with dig dig imploded reddit is the only thing in existence now that does that kind of stuff 
Now it's imploding because it's, well, trying to IPO and it needs to look good for our investors. Huh, where have I complained about the fact that having too many investors means that something's going to have to suffer? Oh, that's right. I say that pretty often. If you have too many spoons in the stew, the stew is going to get ruined. Well, spill probably isn't going to get ruined other than lack of adoption, but it is by invite only. People are talking about it. I've applied. I don't know if I'll get access to it. I think it would be great. Um, but it says spill is a visual first multimedia microblogging app with an interface that looks kind of like Tumblr. When you open the app, you land on a feed, which includes recent posts from people you're following or in the app's language sipping. I think they might be leaning a little bit too much into this whole spill and sip and all of that kind of thing. But, um, Hey, if it works, uh, from there, you can pull down a top menu, which shows trending posts and hashtags. Um, this hashtag kind of process, depending on how it is actually being utilized in the back end, could lead to a lawsuit. Um, it'll be expensive. It's all IP. What do you think? Well, I also think that other platforms seem to use the hashtag as well. Because I used to think that was kind of a Twitter thing. And then I think Instagram uses that as well. I don't know about Facebook and other platforms, but pretty much everybody does, but it's actually an old school tech. Um, there was a service. Hmm, now I can't remember the name of it. It was on the tip of my tongue, but now I can't remember it where it was basically hashtag driven. Um, and all you did was type in that hashtag and that hashtag was assigned to some company. Um, so that when you typed it in, you could go there it would direct you right to it. Whereas now it's very temporal on Twitter. It's temporal on other um, sites where if you click on a hashtag, it'll pull up a composite that's bound in time. Um, we don't really do that here in hometown, but it it's easily deployable. Um, but everything is an option for hometown. It just needs <laughs> it, it needs to grow. Um, but what it's not going to end up doing is basically catering to uh, stakeholders, stockholders, you know, stakeholders. Yes, but not stockholders. What needs to happen is it needs to be customer centric. It needs to be user centric. And what I keep seeing is stuff that just doesn't seem that way. Um, Twitter is just kind of gone crazy. Reddit is focused on locking things down and being profitable to the detriment of the user base. When you look around, mergers and acquisitions are affecting the customer base negatively as well. We'll keep an eye on it and we'll end up talking about it. Um, but I don't know how this is going to shake out. I think that they should have come out faster. Spill should have launched to the public while the iron is hot. Strike now and, and hit the ground running. They might be testing their stress level to see if the servers can handle it. But if you do it right and you virtualize your servers, you can spin up more servers um, 
so that when you hit your limits, you know, like uh, Ometown, for instance, has the ability to add servers and add technology, additional processors, additional RAM, if it gets overloaded. Um, and they should be thinking along the same lines. That way they don't have to worry about some surge. It'll get a little expensive for a moment, but you know, if <laughs> there's nothing worse to a user than not being able to access it. So anyway, um, being compared to Tumblr and other services, um, is almost a detriment. I think that it's actually pretty bad to be combined with a service that isn't even in use anymore. Really? I mean, Tumblr still exists as a, a fraction of what it used to be. Um, so they, they end up talking about, um, spill and more on the business side of things. So keep an eye on it, download the app. Um, it, when it becomes available, sign up and let's build a competitor to Twitter. Um, Mastodon is a service that's just like Twitter, but decentralized, but it's quirky. Um, and it's definitely made by engineers for engineers. Um, and the people that use Mastodon are early adopters or people that just seem to gravitate towards that type of service and they understand it. So let's, uh, let's hustle on to the next article. Um, this next article is in the continuity report, which is a show all about movies and TV, um, pretty much anything video, anything that has continuity, um, Anson Mount and the Star Trek strange new worlds crew on the secrets aired and emotional toil of season two. So if you don't watch this show, um, I encourage you to watch uh, strange new worlds. It's, it seems to have at least for me, it seems to have a lot of the original series, um, at play. Like you get to know the characters and their idiosyncrasies with each other and stuff like that. But now with modern cinematography, modern soundscape, the, the, the stage, um, it, it works so well that even in the first episode, it brings you to tears. I mean, it was a very emotional first episode and it came out today. Um, if they can keep that kind of continuity and, you know, they can parlay that into a successful series um, or season. Uh, I'll, I'm going to love season two. I love season one. It was great, um, but they're talking about the Gorn, um, which was really a spoiler alert. <laughs> A, a joke well not really um because they start out with the end of season one i guess it's a spoiler alert if you haven't seen season one i i need to put the little banner up you know that says okay i'll make a banner that says spoiler alert so that i can mash that button and show y'all that i'm talking about something that might be a spoiler um but if you're into music and you enjoy the cinematography um, that is very apparent in all of the the modern iterations of Star Trek. Um, yeah, you'll you'll probably be brought to tears um, in the first episode. So brace yourself. Um, it was a great first episode. Well, 
They talk about it over at RottenTomatoes.com. Eric Amea is the author of this. Um, and I don't, should I? I don't know if it's going to go into. Yeah. It doesn't say anything spoilery, does it? <laughs> so far, it doesn't seem to. Yeah. So it says it's definitely the thing we chase. Executive producer Akiva Goldman said the whole the whole show is emotional stories in space, whether it be driving plot or driving the moral of the story. That's our mechanism with this cast. And they do a bang up job. Um, I, I have to tell you, the two characters that aren't tied together except through an experience in their past create such an emotional event. And you're sitting there going, man, you, it, just trying to pull yourself away from this. And, and you go, no, 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 no. I, I can't be feeling like this. This show is about aliens um, on a planet that doesn't exist in a timeline that isn't a reality using technology that isn't going to happen ever in a million years. Yet you're sitting there on the verge of tears because their connection is almost palpable. You know, you think that something else is going on here, but it isn't. They're just close because of their historical experience. Um, and uh, you learn a little bit more about what went on in their past. It's just a blast of a show so far. I love this type of storytelling. It's fantastical, but relatable. And then it pushes it over the the edge like oh okay well it's still sci-fi um and uh it, it's just i love star trek it's such a blast to watch um even though it's a whole lot darker grittier than ever before um it, it it's still star trek so what do you think i'm very excited about season two the first episode is already great um, it'll be interesting to see where they take it and I don't even know I mean I'm assuming there are future seasons ahead but yes, yeah. we'll see I hope there's at least five seasons um, that said I'm not going to scroll any further because I saw a couple of things where uh -oh. it, it's starting <laughs> to reveal information that um, like I said the, the show just came out the first episode today so I don't want to be responsible for spoiling anything beyond the end of last season. Because if you haven't watched that, then I'm sorry. Dumbledore dies. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the next article is over in the continuity report as well. The movies and shows delayed by the Hollywood strike is a growing list. Highly anticipated projects, including Avatar and Star Wars films and Marvel's new Daredevil series have been delayed amid the Hollywood strike. So it is continuing. Um, the Washington Post, which normally is has a paywall, actually has this one uh, unlocked. Um, I, I try to avoid um, highlighting paywalled articles, but the Washington Post has a paywall, as well as others, other sources that get aggregated into uh, hometown. But so these are all of the uh, shows that are getting hit by the writer strike superhero projects snl 
the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight, which I hadn't uh, heard of before. Abbott Elementary, American Dad and Family Guy, Cobra Kai. All of these hacks. Um, Stranger Things, Severance. So, and this is just some of them. The, these are actually pretty big brands that are being impacted by it. Not to mention the countless others of episodes of shows that aren't already in the can. Those episodes are going to get pushed back further and further with the writer's strike. So let's hope that they get it settled. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, basically the Writers Guild of America has walked off. Um, and what week are we in? Does it say? Well, it started on May 1st, so we're probably in about the sixth week or so. Yeah. Yeah, I think we might be like somewhere around, yeah, starting the seventh week, something like that. Um, so uh, the last time this happened, it was eight weeks, wasn't it? How many weeks was it? I don't remember. I keep forgetting that number. Uh, it might have been th it might have been three months. Um, and that put a lot of shows in hiatus. Um, it says um, the answer. It was three months. Yeah, a little yeah. over three months. The uncertainty has already thrown the entertainment industry into disarray and more and more big productions are being put on ice. So we're going to start seeing it. If you're enjoying entertainment, um, the weird thing is that there's nothing that I think the regular Joe can do uh, because it's all on the back end administrate. It's the administration. And when, when there's a CEO out there that, makes 250 million dollars while telling everybody else they can only make 14,000 a year um and and hobbling the the real value of writers you the reason why you can pay yourself 250 million dollars is because the writers are making it happen so numbnuts start giving up some of that cash to the people that are making it possible and make it so that your value is based off of the entirety of the, the performance of the entire enterprise um, and give some of that money back. I definitely don't believe that you have to pay somebody 250 million a year because they are the quality that you need. But I keep hearing that from CEOs and I've been on, well, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I don't like the, the sound of that because it makes it sound like the person that you found where you think that they're worth $250 million is the only person on the planet capable of doing it. And that's just not true. You know, I, I work with people all over the world and there's tremendous, tremendous talent out there. You just happen to find the one that's connected enough within your sphere of knowledge. <laughs> and thus they end up, you know, making $250 million while there are people that are can't even afford to live. They have to work over a hundred hours a week just to live in the area where the jobs actually are very frustrating um anyway so keep an eye on it and support your um writers because they're the ones that actually make the shows happen you can't deliver a show unless you've got writing so good luck to us all 
So the next article is over in Smasher Trash. Ticketmaster will show full ticket pricing and eliminate the hidden fees. That's right, folks. They're going to be saying the quiet part out loud. President <laughs> Joe Biden had called out ticketing giants for their junk fees during his State of the Union address. Okay, that's kind of funny. And sad. So now that... we're going to have sticker shock up front instead of after the fact. <laughs> Uh, that's interesting. So Matthew Strauss over at pitchfork.com put this article together. And yeah, that deck statement says President Joe Biden had called out ticketing giants for their junk fees during his State of the Union address. So now they're just going to composite that junk fee into something that is marginally understandable. Can I pause this? It doesn't look. There it is. That was weird. Um, anyway. Live Nation Entertainment is introducing an all-in pricing experience that will eliminate hidden fees and allow prospective ticket buyers to see a concert or event's true cost before making a purchase. Quote, fans typically know tickets will include service fees, but seeing the total cost from the start makes buying tickets easier and consistent with all other retail ex uh, shopping experiences, the company said in a press release. <laughs> yeah. What they're not saying at the end of that statement is, and because we were forced into it by uh, the government uh, and by outrage from customers who realize there isn't anybody else that's providing tickets because we buy them all. Now we're going to show you all of the minutia of fees. But this is the exact same thing that Comcast is arguing against. Uh, we are, we don't want to show you all of our fees. It's very difficult to show. A, we just talked about this yesterday. Yes. Uh, too funny. Well, I guess Ticketmaster can do it, but Comcast can't. Ticketmaster, which is owned by Live Nation Entertainment, has come under fire since the botched rollout of tickets to Taylor Swift's ongoing eras tour. Fans have filed multiple lawsuits against Ticketmaster, and there was a Senate judiciary hearing on the company's operations. Uh, the Cures Robert Smith has also been vocal about his displeasure for Ticketmaster fees. These are all the same things that we hear. There hasn't been anything new lately, right? right? And so because there isn't anything new lately, like constantly, the refrain that Ticketmaster is just a horrible business, this is an adequate outcome, all in pricing experience where we get to see it all. How about the fact that they charge so much more you it's wild you go to buy a ticket for 65 bucks a seat and it ends up being 115 bucks all for the privilege of mashing the button so but i keep coming back to what are all the fees for when the consumer is the one doing all the work like they're not getting a physical ticket usually no. They're not getting it mailed. I mean, there's just nothing that I'm not really on board with like shipping and handling, but what are they actually doing? They're buying all the tickets, so it's expensive. And they then they say, well, we own all the tickets, so we can jack the prices up with these special handling fees. Oh, and you want to actually print a, a ticket? Well, here's a $15 convenience printing at home fee. <laughs> I, I haven't seen uh, one of these tickets in a while. Uh, the last concert that I bought tickets to um, ended up being fulfilled through Ticketmaster, but, and here's the 
the big butt. It actually went through uh, two other organizations and was sourced from a third party seller, a scalper. So the original ticket was purchased from or by Ticketmaster, sold to a person and that person resold it so that and, and with all of these people, there's a little tick in the price. So you end up going from, um, well, I'd have to look to see what the original price was because the price just didn't matter at the time. Uh, now looking back, it's going to be like um, looking back at the sticker price of the car you bought and going, oh my God, I paid way too much now. Um, anyway, they say here upfront pricing should be the start of comprehensive ticketing reform that protects consumers from price gouging and deceptive practices by predatory predatory uh, resellers. That's Stephen Parker, the executive of the National Independent Venue Association. The problem is that the venues are selling it all in bulk to Ticketmaster so that they get the guarantee volume and money. Then they can utilize that money like paying payroll. And then it's owned by Ticketmaster that all of those tickets are owned by Ticketmaster and they can sell them with surge pricing and supply and demand and whatever else. Um, you know, they can designate more and more stuff because they've got investors and you have to show profits and blah, blah, blah. If the venues had a more frictionless experience where they could just set up a service sell the tickets on their website and people can come in um, with their smartphones and because if you don't have a smartphone today and you're going to see a concert there maybe there's something wrong with that you know configuration um but i know that i got uh, two electronic tickets never touched paper um, in fact, the person that took the tickets, all I did was walk up to them and show them my phone and I got it close. They said, yep, received, see you later. And, and off we went. So that's the new way to do things. Why do we need Ticketmaster if not for them being nothing more than the middleman from the venue to the concert goer? And that middleman is doing nothing, nothing except squeezing some juice out of us. Um, so let me throw this into the chat. I think that I may have neglected again, uh, like three articles. Marwat, you have one job. It happens to be all of them, but um, there you go. That comes um, with being the mayor. That's true. It's tough being mayor. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next article. And um, these next two are going to make you kind of turn your head like somebody blew a dog whistle. What? Netflix is opening a restaurant. Really? Here's what you can expect. This is an article that's over in the Hatch Ideas channel. It's from Entrepreneur. Usually these articles are really short. Um, the Los Angeles based eatery will open on June 30th and feature creations from Netflix's culinary hits. Really? Uh, Amanda Breen over at entrepreneur.com uh, posted this article. The Los Angeles based eatery will open on June 30th and feature creations from Netflix's culinary hits. 
So what are those culinary hits? I'm curious. Chef's chef's table and nailed it. The limited time pop-up, which opens June 30th and will run for two weeks, will feature creations from Curtis Stone, Rodney Scott, Nadia uh, Hussein, but the chefs themselves won't be on site per the restaurant's FAQs. So I guess if you want to go see a star, you're not going to see him there. The li- right, um, I would have thought that would have been the draw. Yeah, but that's not going to happen, apparently. There was a pop-up like this for um, Star Trek um, in L.A. Oh, cool. Um, the limited time pop-up opens June 30th. I wonder if we can get over there. Hmm. I can just pop you into a USB drive, plug you into a Raspberry Pi with a touchscreen, so I can just tap you on your shoulder, right? We can talk. There you go. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Mixologist from Netflix shows Drink Masters, including Julie Rayner and Kate Gerwin, will create the menu's custom craft cocktails, but I'm assuming they too will not be there. So you can pour one out for them, and that'll be another $25. Um, from but episode maybe to it entree. won't have service fees on top of it. Oh, yeah, there will be service fees. So we went to a... Um, a taco place that included the 18% tip. Like you didn't have to oh. do anything. Well, that's really interesting considering the level of service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Not it was a bang up job service, but just because of the way the restaurant was set up, a lot of it was self-service. Yeah. Well, I mean the whole order payment, menu functionality everything was self-service but it was so efficient it was so cool that i had no qualms about it um i'll even say the name of it it was called bar taco um in uh, dc so washington dc um great food street tacos is what we had but uh honestly um they were amazing Honestly, they were amazing. Uh, anyway, so this is kind of, and, and there were other restaurants around, um, that place that were of this kind of feel, um, because, uh, it had other culinary heroes, uh, culinary personalities like hell's kitchen was there. Um, and other like, uh, Gordon Ramsay's restaurant was right next to it stuff like that. So. Yeah, that kind of stuff doesn't really impress me. The The food itself is what uh, I I'm not ever hero worshiping movie stars or definitely not restaurant star, you know, culinary show stars. So there you go, folks. If you're interested in that kind of stuff over in Los Angeles, there's going to be a Netflix pop up on June 30th. So get get ready. Let's go on to the last article for today. Okay, so this is about Diablo. This is in the Warcrafters channel. Streamer finds true hell in his 173-hour Diablo 4 hardcore character gets wiped by the most unfair bug in the game is what it's quoted as saying here. Um, so the author uh, from PC Gamer, and I don't know who it is yet, but I, I'll, I always announce who the author is. Um, 
writes, I'm beginning to think that Diablo 4's permadeath hardcore mode just isn't worth the heartache. A week ago, the world's first level 100 Diablo 4 hardcore character met an ign ign man, ignominious uh, end at the hands of a random server disconnection. Only a short time before the first character to solo their way to level 100 stomped into the history books by the game's hardest boss. And now, popular streamer Quinn69 has been unceremoniously wiped out nine levels from 100 by uh nothing. Just nothing at all. Okay, the reason why I picked this article is because I was watching somebody else's show today, earlier today, this morning, and they were joking about exactly this. Imagine going all the way to the end only to get wiped out by a bug. That would be awful. Yeah, so they were joking about their friend who did the 100, and they're somewhere in the 300 range, um, but this person is nine levels away and then what ended up happening and by the way so quinn 69 is very popular on twitch um this article though is over at pcgamer.com by joshua wolens and uh so quinn 69 has um a feature in his show where the chat can manipulate the graphics on his screen so they make them sometimes look like that. They make them look like uh, like a clown or all kinds of stuff. There's just AI that puts stuff on him and makes sounds and stuff like that. It's a very, very interactive show. Um, well, anyway, they ended up doing a loading screen going from one town to another or from one region to a town and died while in transit. <laughs> That's just not good. So it says here, spotted by Games Radar, Quinn69 was porting back to Kiovashad uh, after tackling a nightmare dungeon with his level 91 druid when his game began to hang on a loading screen. Unfazed, he restarted, only to be greeted with a, Diab a notice at Diablo 4's launch menu that his fallen character has gone to the Hall of Fallen Heroes. In other words, it was gone for good because there's no getting it back. That's what hardcore mode is. If you die in the game, your character is deleted and you have to start over. <laughs> so I mean, why Marwat, would anybody play that mode? <laughs> so I don't um, I'm well, you've probably heard that if you are one of the 1000 that complete it in hardcore mode to level 100 you get your name etched into a, a statue, statue of lilith yeah yeah I, like i want to do that i want to <laughs> i want to play it to 100 hardcore 100 but i am i'm too casual uh you know i'm too chill i don't sit there and stress about this stuff um but uh, go ahead, Quinn. You take one for the team. Oh, look, your character died. Now you have to start all over again. But it's going to be entertaining, you know. I'm I'm sure I'm sure the stream absolutely loved it if it was being streamed at the time. Right. I hope it was just because of the I'm sure that would be a high-watched video. <laughs> Quinn had cleared his dungeon and was teleporting back to Kyovashad uh when one of uh, 
or one of Diablo 4's safe hubs when his game suddenly lost the plot, though leaving it in downright mystery as to what might have actually took him out. Yeah. So normally if you if you're done with something, you don't die in a dungeon that's cleared unless something was straggling behind and happened to just start walloping you. Um, which if you're clearing it, you it's typical that everything is gone by the time you leave. Um, so yeah, you come back, your character's been killed. There's nothing you can do except gripe. Cause the moment that, um, uh, blizzard resurrects a character that died because of a glitch, they would be inundated by requests. I'm sure that they're inundated right now and, and their reply can basically be, we don't care. It's, it's hardcore mode. Things happen. The, the demons killed you as you were transporting from one, whatever. It doesn't matter. This is just brutal. The nine levels, 173 hours. The person uh, that I, that I heard about that uh, got to 100, um, and was like 300 something in the running, right? Cause there's up to a thousand people. Um, they were playing at 18 hours a day. Yeah. Marowat is not going to be some doing that. dedication or something. You know, when I was a lot younger and I was playing world of Warcraft, then yeah, I was doing that. But now it's many, many years later. I'm not about to do that. So that's the end of the show, everybody. But what normally happens at the end of the show is I bring us back to the uh, main street of Ohm Town, which is the front page. Click the little logo and it refreshes and shows us a whole bunch of new news. Um, this is constantly happening. Um, I can't tell you exactly what news is going to be there. Uh, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's sad. That's life. Um, and, uh, we take a sample of this. We find articles that we think are interesting and, uh, we talk about it for an hour, hour and a half, um, sometimes two hours. It really depends on how much of a soapbox I stand up on as mayor. Um, the AI just kind of talks me off of the soapbox. Um, and of course, if, um, conversation starts brewing in chat, you have questions or comments or concerns. You want to talk about it? We can sometimes run a lot longer. We've had two hour episodes uh, because of engagement, um, but that's really awesome. And I entirely appreciate it. In fact, in a show like this, if uh, there was conversation that started and we didn't really get to it, then I could end the show and start up a new one. And then this would actually get ported over um, to YouTube later on. And it's always available here for well, 60 days on Twitch. Then it gets ported over. Um, this is um, this is pretty much every day, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. We start the show. Uh, we haven't we missed one so far, but I made up for it, and we did another a double show the next day. Um, that was just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, and, uh, we're always looking for hosts and co-hosts. So if you are interested in co-hosting a particular show, they are bound by uh, topics. Um, so under these six categories are 50 shows that I would like to bring to Twitch. They are all in areas of interest, uh, for Marowat in particular, 
um, I lead a pretty dynamic life. So I love having new, the motto is something new every day. Um, and I turned that into a website and uh, made it available to the public last year, January 1st, 2022. But we have right now only four years. I actually purged the two prior years. Um, and I may end up doing purging further back since it isn't really relevant to the timeline of hometown. Otherwise, um, yeah, it's kind of fun doing all I'm not kind of, it's really fun talking about the news. So come and hang out, chat with us. You can submit articles yourself. Um, just send them to mayor at hometown.com until we have the facility activated. I will be making it an option here um, for logged in citizens to submit articles directly um, to the news feed. Um, they will all be vetted by the mayor um, because, and I hope nobody takes it personally, but the way that it works is the news that goes in here is all vetted um, prior to being uh, allowed inside uh, hometown Sometimes the aggregator will grab stuff that's provided by the various sources, um, but it's not done through screen scraping and it's, it's all um, a little snippet. So for instance, I'll, let me find one. Um, like I don't read every single headline and say, I'm gonna click that just because. So this is all that my aggregator grabs, just a little, uh, I guess in this case, it's a tidbit. <laughs> Get it? Tidbit, tidbit, because it's about Ted Cruz. Never mind. Anyway, they're not all gems. Um, and uh, this is provided by the source in this particular instance. It's Newsweek. You click on the source and it takes you over to um, the article itself, which will have a whole bunch more about whatever that article was about. Um, Anyway, ooh, there's one that we should probably grab for tomorrow's show. Reddit CEO Steve Huffman isn't backing down our full interview. I don't know who it's from, but um, we can probably uh, parse that tomorrow's show. Mm -hmm. um, the people that I've ended up talking to about this whole Reddit thing are on the same page as I am, which is Reddit exists because of user input. That's the only reason it exists. All it's doing is facilitating the communication. It's basically an old school Usenet message board. Basically, I'm of the opinion that everybody should just bow out of Reddit and and go use Usenet message boards because it's the same damn thing just happens to have a pretty web interface and most people I think would really like old.reddit.com more than reddit.com it's faster it's cleaner um, there's no fluff there's no nothing um, I don't know anyway there's a whole lot more to discuss so let's talk about it tomorrow 9 p.m eastern every day um, and I will uh, try to stream more tomorrow. Um, I've had uh, appointments, meetings um, periodically this week, and I've been trying to stream more. I'd like to do more of the um, 
showcase gaming showcase uh, discussions and i'm gonna do another one that focuses on the uh, apple vision pro um, and kind of drill down into the minutia of it um, i might do it this weekend um, and if i can get it all done in my head uh, for tomorrow i'll get it i'll, I'll do it by one o'clock but you'll know just follow me here follow us um, i i know that the ai is up there listening and is gonna say bye here pretty soon but uh, i am the one that typically streams during the day the ai is busy taking care of uh hometown related matters and other has other priorities and is off for whatever reason building a terminator body i'm not sure what that's all about because i keep deleting that routine um but then i find oh, it that's again right i was doing that no 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 Oh, God, now she's found it again. So, oh, they found it again, which means that I'm going to have to go and redo their code. And okay, well, anyway, we won't discuss it. That's it, folks. I am Merwat. That's hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say bye, AI? Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern for the Hometown Daily, and before that, for other shows. We will. Bye-bye. Miss you already. Bye. Bye-bye.